Thank you. Good morning or good afternoon. <laughs> I don't know where I am. Am I in the southern or northern hemisphere? <laughs> My name is Joe uh, Bonga, and uh, I'm from Africa, of course, from Kenya, Nairobi. And uh, I'm married to Diana, one wife. Very important to mention that in Africa, because you could be lucky, <laughs> and you could get away with many more. Well, I'm married to one, at least for now. <laughs> no intention of adding, and she, 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 she calls a lot just to make sure she's still the one. And uh, she sends her greetings. Um, I'm also with, uh, blessed with three children. Jaden is seven, Joy is four, and Jerome is seven months. And I miss them so, so much. But I want also to say thank you so much as Riverside family for always standing with us and praying with us and allowing uh, wonderful people among you to come also stand with us in ministry. We've always received your greetings, your prayers, and even your gifts. May God bless you so, so much. I want you to be encouraged that that's part of the outcome of your prayers. And we are partners in this. So may God bless you so much as you keep on praying for us. And today I just wanted us to pick uh, from Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And this morning, God is speaking to the people, men and women of Riverside. The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The main question we have to ask ourselves there is, why are we standing looking into the sky? It's always very easy to look at the glorious things happening around, right? But God is asking us to look further than that. And I believe what God is trying to tell us is Jesus is done, and Jesus is going, and he's soon coming back. But you have a responsibility to gospelize. You have a responsibility now to go. You have an assignment and I'm reminded of an exam. When an exam has been given out to you, sometimes you are very tense, but you cannot keep your eye on the examiner, right? Once the exam has been given, it is your responsibility now to focus into the exams. And um, as you all know, you, Britain succeeded in bringing exams to Africa. We never had exams. I'm only grateful that we share one thing in common. We both don't like exams. <laughs> well, we have to do them anyway, right? And God has given us the same assignment in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And he says, Jesus spoke to them. And in speaking to them, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, that you go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 
And this is the assignment that we have. It's very easy when you have an L on and you're driving. It's very easy to be excited that you've just gotten your driving, you you've just gotten your driving and now you're learning to do it and, and you can get away with so much. And those of you who have visited Africa, we get away with like everything. <laughs> when you have an L, it's like, wow, <laughs> you are Lord. It's not Lana. And, uh, and so we can get away, especially the lights. For us, lights are suggestions. They're not instructions. So when you see red, it's a suggestion. Do you want to go? It's clear though. I would prefer you don't. But because it's clear, if I were you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, when David and Linda and most of you have visited us, when you visit there, they always surprise. Yeah, you just crossed the, you just you just jumped the light, and I'm like, yeah, there's nobody, there's nobody, <laughs> you know. So it's very easy to stick to that feeling of, yeah, I'm just new in this. And to the young generation in Africa, in Kenya, we have a median age of 19. And I was informed that Birmingham has the, 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 the highest number of youth in, 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 Af- in, in Europe, right? And you're privileged that you have the highest number of gener- generations that will change many generations to come. And I'm always inspired at challenging the young people that if we don't do something about what we have today, we might not we might not be relevant to complain about what happens tomorrow. We have a great opportunity to inspire these young people and to support them and to support ourselves as church to go out there and evangelize. To gospelize is not easy. As Spurgeon once said, he says, I contend for this, that to gospelize a man is the greatest miracle in the world. And I repeat, greatest miracle in the world. All other miracles are wrapped in this one. To gospelize a man, or in other words, to convert him, is a greater work than to open the eyes of the blind. It is very easy to be very happy about blind eyes seeing, right? And people being healed and everything. But to gospelize a man is the greatest thing. Yesterday at the healing, uh, healing on the streets at... Uh, Bullring, right? If I got it right. I mean, there were so many healings that were going on, but one really touched me when a, a guy just came, quite an older guy, not very old, but he came in. We were asking him, how do we pray for you? And he said, I don't know. I, I just don't know where to start. I even don't know what's going on. I know it's very easy for my African brothers who are in Africa to think that we are the only people who don't know. But I realize it's a generation. If you've watched the movie of Walking Dead, now we are walking wounded generation. Not dead yet, maybe, but very wounded. We prayed for this guy and he couldn't even control his tears when he was accepting Jesus. He accepted Jesus and he, also, he almost just didn't believe that He's a new creation. Can you imagine how many people out there are waiting for you to gospelize? And as I say, we are living in this generation that not only the young that are wounded, not only the old that are wounded, it's very easy to be wounded as an older person because then you've gone through a lot of things that would wound you. But think of it, we are having a generation that is already wounded even at the age of 10. 
What life lies ahead for them if we don't go out there and pass it on? You see, young people, I tell you, these young people, when they break out in intercessions and in prayer for God, sometimes it just breaks your heart when you ask them, can I pray with you? And they say, the problem is not me, it's my parents. Problem is not me, it's my grandma, it's my grandpa. We are all wounded in this. It's no longer a youthful agenda, it's agenda for all human races. When we reach out there, we're reaching out there to pass on something so precious that Christ has given us. We are living in a generation that is bombarded by thoughts and actions that range from self-harm to suicide, self-image challenges, sexual temptations. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Sexual temptations, and we are walking wounded every day. And most of us are waiting to see somebody that will reach out with something greater than what we have. And I'm looking for the days when we will stand up like Paul in Acts 20:26, and say, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That is something I would love to do to this generation. That I would stand somewhere and say, hey guys, look, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I have not shrunk from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. But that's not only what I desire of me, that's what I desire of us all. That together we can gospelize in a way that we can stand boldly before this generation and say, I testify to you today, I am innocent. How many of you can stand before this generation and declare their innocence? We all have to be disciple makers. And who is a disciple maker? A disciple maker is a Christian who enters into relationships with people to help them trust and follow Jesus. A disciple maker is somebody who deliberately says, I want to relate with you, but I want the aim of this relationship or this friendship to help you to trust and follow Jesus. How many relationships do you have today that you are championing towards trusting Jesus, following Jesus? It is our responsibility. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility to ensure that the people we reach out to, we allow the gospel, we ensure that the good news of Jesus moves both deeply into their souls and outwardly through them to others. That it's not enough for us to have them have the gospel, but we have to go further to ensure that we relate to them in a way that they see the value in passing it on. You can imagine if the road was full of people with L's. It wouldn't be so much fun to drive in the city, right? Imagine if everybody was just a learner. And for years, for years, for years, you're just a learner. Some of us, God has already is already saying, why are you gazing? Why are you staring? Go out and gospelize. The early believers did this. I'm assuring you, they are watching us. 
And they're saying, hey, you guys, you can do it. They loved God so much, but they allowed the love of God to let them, to make them love others so much that they were willing to pass it on. They were willing even to say, I don't have silver and gold. They're not running away. That guy is going to ask me for money. No, they face these guys and say, hey, God, look, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I give on to you. You have something that this generation is looking for. We just have to learn to pursue the mission of Jesus with so much honesty and passion. We have to learn to create time for it. We have to deliberately enter into those relationships and say, God, use me as, as an instrument. Use me to make this person be a disciple. Because many people are in that grave and they are spiritually dead. I think it's in the next slide. They're spiritually dead. But we have been told in 29, verse 29, that therefore go and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. And as I was preparing this message, God kept on asking, nagging in my heart. I want you to ask Riverside, how ready are you for the nations? He says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. If God is going to expand us into the Muslim community and into other nations, are we ready to go out from where we are? And that's a question we need to answer. I'm reminded for the very first days when I was doing missions and studying missions, I had some friends and we were so excited. We were told, hey, your next assignment is how to reach the unreached groups, how to go to places where people have never gone before. And we were so excited because sometimes it sounds like New York, right? When you're in Africa, that sounds like New York. Ah, we're going to go where people don't go so often. And so we were so excited. I had friends, two friends in my class who were from London. And I mean, it was just so exciting because we were going to places where both of us have never gone. And we were taken into Ethiopia, and ah, I was like, okay, fine, we're going to Ethiopia. You know Ethiopia is known for Queen Sheba, so very beautiful ladies. We were just single guys, so we were so excited. In fact, in our conversation, we were even thinking, God, open our eyes. We may see our future wives. <laughs> it was so exciting moment in that plane and just chatting about Ethiopia. And we took Ethiopian airline so we could see from the airline. I said, hey, are you okay? Back all your stuff. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you could, you, you wanted even to order for water even when you're not thirsty. But then, because we were like, oh, this is where we are going. But when we reached there, these are the kind of people we, we found there. But before we did, in the middle of the road, the bishop was also, who coupled also as a, a missions professor, he said, hey, we have to remove our clothes now. And, and, for a while there, I thought he was talking about a figurative nakedness, like, oh God, I am naked before you, Lord. Search me, examine me, you know. But he meant it. And when he started removing his clothes, we thought, okay, this guy is crazy. Maybe this is just a demo, but us, we will just remain in our clothes. He said, no, 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 you have to remove it. My two friends from London, they said, no, I'm not going. I'm not going, I'll remain here. You know, it's another thing to be naked, which all of us would enjoy, most, maybe most of us would enjoy. I don't mind being naked, right? But I don't mind being naked when other naked people are watching, right? So that's the trouble there. You're going to be naked before people. Gosh. 
And this young guy say, I'm remaining here. <laughs> I'll sleep in the car. We said, we need the car to go. So you just got to get out there. And there is, it's, 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 in, it's, in the, it's in the grassland. And the guy said, you'll have to choose. Both of us will get to heaven. You can choose to go to heaven. Like the lions will come, eat you with your clothes on. Or you can go and serve Jesus without your clothes. <laughs> choose. None of them would take heaven away from you, right? It's just how you get there. <laughs> so they came reluctantly. And when we got there, we removed our clothes. And that was the hardest mission. I've never done any harder mission than this. So that was the hardest. And I clinged on my Bible as a real source of life. And literally, I mean it. Because I needed it to cover my nakedness. Like the word of God, I needed to use it. <laughs> You know, but unfortunately, as we were getting closer, the ushers came and insisted that we give out the Bibles because it is honorable in that community that a guest does not carry his Bible or her Bible. We tried to persuade them. We are okay. We are consulting the scriptures. We, we were already distracted at their beauty and I mean, everybody's naked and you're wondering, should I focus on the word of God or, or me? And we were busy literally using the word of God to cover <laughs> our sins or to cover our nakedness. <laughs> we tried to negotiate, but we didn't. They took the Bibles and that was where the rubber meets the road. That's where you say John 49:60. It doesn't exist, but you're just mentioning things, right? So God, I was there and I was thinking, God, you mean the nations? Are these people also included in go you out therefore? You know, it's very easy to say, let's wait for them, right? But what if God says, go unto them and teach them and baptize them? You don't need baptism clothes, do you? <laughs> Just need water. And God says, yeah, these are the people. Who reaches out to them? And it was so exciting when we got into praise and worship and in Africa, most of you, you are my African, uh, you've been to Africa. You know when we do that, we really jump and we, it's like every worship is revival, right? Now picture it happening without clothes. That's real revival, right? Then they put visitors in front to sit on a plank of wood where you just put a piece of, piece of your flesh just to keep you sitting and you are in front of everybody else naked and the people in front of you are also naked tell me if you still believe god sent you to them <laughs> tell me if god says go into them and you'll be like yes sir no it's very easy if god told me hey go to new york and talk to this guy i'll be like yay thank you jesus god is really using me you know i can imagine god tells judy go to oromo valley Go to that valley there and be as they are and give them the gospel. You know, we, try, we start negotiating with God, right? Like, God, I wasn't so sure. I think I'm called to children in, in Germany or somewhere. That's why we negotiate with God. But the Bible says in Acts 6, 7, that the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem because there was relational discipleship going on. Now I want you to know that community precedes ministry. That we have to seek God in order for us to share him with the people in service and to draw them to God. I'm reminded when you take a flight 
And before takeoff, the flight attendant always says, depending on which airline, right? Ethiopian airline. <laughs> he says, in the event of an emergency, an oxygen mask will automatically appear in front of you. If you are traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, secure your mask on first before helping others. So you can imagine if you're going to help other people and you're panting and you're hyperventilating and you're trying to help someone else, I'm very sure no matter how good your intentions are, chances are that both of you are not going to make it, right? So God allows us to be here, to be made. He allows us to be selfish at a time where we don't want anybody around because we are going through this process of being transformed. But then what happens? It just can happen just for a short while, not forever, right? That when you go to an hospital, you find you go to visit a friend. Sometimes you are told visitors are not allowed, guests are not allowed. I'm sorry, even family are not allowed. You will not be able to see him. Why? Because the patient is undergoing transformation. And that's, that's like a VIP if you're a patient, right? Nobody's going to bother you. They take you through fast lanes, ambulance, whatever. It's allowed. It's allowed to have an L and go through a process where everybody understands you are learning. Hey, please understand him, blah, blah, blah. But then a time now has come that we have to now set our foot out. We already have the masks. We are stable. Now it's our time to help those who require assistance those who need a relationship with Jesus. When we do that, we are very sure that it is going to result into a gospel, a radical gospel transformation. When we started ICW, we were just three people. We would do it over coffee. But look at how much it's going on. It's because we are just obeying. We are just relating with young people and we are just telling them, this is what we have. And we have it from Acts 26, 16, verse 16 to 18. And I would read from 17. He said, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. We have a responsibility to go out there. We have a responsibility to go out there and do things that would result into radical gospel transformation. He was just sharing with me and he's saying he's a teacher. You would wish so much how that high school would just glow in, 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 in reach out to God like that. And I'm telling you, it's possible. I see it happen. It, it, it can happen. All we need to do is go out there in boldness and do it. It's God who does it through us who are willing to go out there. And when we go there, it's our responsibility. And God says, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. When you start doing that, when that starts happening, I'm not saying it's not going to come with challenges. Remember John 12, 42, 43, it says, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for, they, for the fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. 
Every time we are fruitful in making disciples, we also become strategic targets from resistance. So it does just, it does just that can come easy and we'll be like, yeah, it's happening. There's a lot of resistance that would come. And sometimes that resistance comes even before we set out to do it, right? And that resistance would come from within, it would come from without. But Timothy says this in 2 Timothy 2. He says, join me, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. We've been called to join also in the suffering. We've been called to let go some things. It's not easy. Our forefathers in Africa, when they had problems with monkeys, they would set the monkey traps using coconuts. They would take coconut fruit, much bigger than this, of course. They would put and attach it to a string somewhere, put a small hole, and that hole would just allow the hands of a monkey in. But, but they knew if they just put it in with nothing, the monkey would test, find nothing and just easily bring it out. So they took the best fruit with nice smell and scent and, and very sweet to the monkeys and they put it inside there. And they realized that when the monkeys, the, the fruit was so rare and so sweet to the monkeys that when the monkeys got their hands on it, they were not willing to let go at any cost. The whole, they forgot that the whole was just small enough not to allow the knuckles out once you have the fruit. So the monkey would, uh, because it's rare, the monkey would, and precious the monkey to the monkey, the monkey would just try to grab on it and not get himself out. And they would come and catch the monkeys. I don't want to say what they used to do to them because you might call the animal, you know. <laughs> but maybe we look like that today. That we are holding into those comfort zones. We are holding into those things. We are holding into, I'm not good enough. I'm not anointed enough. I'm not qualified enough. We don't need to figure out everything out at the same time. We just need to let go some things and say, we are stepping out. It's like going to the Valley of Oromo in, in Ethiopia. You don't need to figure out everything. I'm very sure if you talk to the guys who founded Riverside, they will tell you they just followed God. They just started it. They just like, let's do this. I'm a founder of a child. I can tell you, I even don't know how it started. Sometimes I'm even surprised it's there. Like, it was just us burning and saying, God, just do this. Use us. If we hold on, I see why he's a very good example for me. It's always just been letting go. I have so many insecurities that I've had to let go. I've had so much fears that I've had to let go. Doing ministry in Africa is not the easiest. But we have to let go. And I'm very sure doing ministry in Europe is even tougher. And you just have to let go. And I'm not talking even about the bad things. I'm even just talking about the nice things that keeps you held up. Keeps you held up from sharing the gospel. So disciple making is a giving spree. We give up our time that we would rather enjoy, maybe with family, or watch football or do something. Or in Africa, as we say, watch weather. <laughs> you know, we give up that time. We give up the energy 
We give out the attention as well. For you to minister to these young people, you're constantly giving out time. You're constantly giving up attention. You're giving up, you're giving initiatives. You're making sacrifices. You're facing opposition. You're losing even your own privacy, embracing obscurity, and even shedding tears most of the time. But he's speaking to us today at Riverside. And he said, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. I feel like if there's anything else that you won't remember from my sermon, don't forget this because this is your call. God is saying, I want to give you an inheritance. All you need to do is just ask me. But if we ask, we have also be, to be ready to go. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth will be your possessions. I wish that one day would be standing together somewhere. And echo the words of 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. That we so cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Means we have to give it all. We have to reach the point where we are able to let go. I've seen the power of letting go. I've seen the power of just stepping out. I can't wait to see the power of asking here and receiving the inheritance. How ready are you today? He says, be strong, Second Timothy. He says, be strong, my son and my daughters. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I want this, as I live, to be something that you are considering, that God wants you to be strong. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witness and trust to reliable people, we will also be qualified to teach others. Verse 3 says, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I just pray that we are ready to ask and to receive the inheritance. So I just want us to take a few seconds and just think of it and say, Lord, am I ready? Lord, make me ready. That even as we ask for these nations that you're going to give us as inheritance and the ends of the earth for our possession, the Lord will be found ready. That we're willing and ready to pass it on. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.